This episode is brought to you by Milano Cookies. Look, sometimes that long Zen yoga class is just not in the cards. So maybe a cookie is. Pepperidge Farm Milano believes you should make some time for yourself once in a while. I know I have a particular space in my sewing room that I like to just take a few minutes every day. I sit there. I think about things. It's kind of like meditation and munching at the same time. You can get that yummy, beautiful cookie flavor. It makes it luxurious and delightful, and I always feel recharged. Milano cookies are truly a treat worthy of your me time. They're delicate and crispy with luxuriously rich chocolate in the middle. You really want to keep these just for you. So remember to save something for yourself with Pepperidge Farm Milano. The richest, most powerful place on earth. A fiction podcast. Tuman Bay. On an epic scale. Power is everything. Power gives everything. We have to get away from this place. Tuman Bay is our destiny. Now on the iHeart Podcast Network, Tuman Bay. Be sharp and die for Tuman Listen to all episodes of Tomb and Bay Seasons 1 and 2 now for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm editor Candace Gibson, joined today by a special guest, staff writer Jane McGrath. Hi, Candace. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, my voice might be a little bit too bubbly for the topic we're about to discuss. Um, some may call it profane, some may call it sacred, some may call it gross. I don't know. But there are some corpses out there that don't rot. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty weird. Um, it's especially surprising because if you if you look at how bodies usually decompose, it doesn't take too long for uh, a body to start showing some wear and tear. Like if uh, that's why embalming, I guess, is so popular. You don't want to remember your loved ones uh, rotting away. No, you don't. And it's funny because after you die, your body is not your own. It becomes host to hundreds of maggots and. Other critters of the insect world. I don't even know if maggots are insects, but they're gross. They <laughs> settle in. They especially like really moist cavities and, you know, they start eating your flesh and things start falling off bones and you become an unrecognizable mess. That's true. And I just pretty quickly, even with embalming, I remember uh, hearing that uh, even if a body's embalmed, it only takes a year for a body to keep decompose into a skeleton. And that's why we either bury our dead or we put them in a crypt, or we cremate them so that we don't have to see it. That's true. I don't think we want to be reminded. (laughs) No, (laughs) definitely not. But there's a mystery in the universe. There's a couple of corpses that don't rot, like I said. And rather than look at these things as freaks of nature, the church has actually, and I should clarify that the Catholic church has pointed out that These are incorruptible bodies, which is one requisite of being named a saint. And there's a couple of different ways that you can become a saint. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jane, because I know that you're more of an expert on this than I am. But you can either perform a miracle, Mm. you can be exhumed after death, and if your body's still intact, that's a sign that you're a saint. You can um, commit some big act of virtue, you can die a martyr. Right, like these holy people, I think... um 
prerequisite, I think, is three miracles have to be um, shown to be attributed to you, like during life or after death. And I think um, when they discovered that a lot of these holy people were, were being, their corpses weren't rotting, they, they found this as, as one of these types of miracles attributed to them. So let me make sure I understand this. After saints were buried, mm-hmm. either if they'd performed miracles in life or they somehow performed miracles after that that were attributed to them, their bodies had been interred, but then they were exhumed. That's right. Like, they became interested, especially um, there have been uh, cases where the grave site has been known to emit a uh, fragrant, fragrance, like uh, flowers or something like that, or... Um, or uh, miracles happen around the gravesite, though. So they have exhumed the body and taken a look at it, and they found that it's actually as uh, as if it were just falling asleep. And that's so strange, because I wouldn't say that these corpses, some of the more famous ones, I should say, someone like St. Sylvan, for instance. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a good one, yeah. He's on display in Croatia, and mm-hmm. he doesn't look as fresh as... You know, the day he turned 18, I'm sure, if he if he did turn 18, I'm not sure when he died. <laughs> I think his skin has taken on, you know, a slightly, like, leathery look, maybe, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit sallow, but he doesn't look dead. That's true, and he doesn't look uh, 1,700 years dead, either. <laughs> I think that's how old he is, and it's, it's, it's pretty crazy to see. And so the question that a lot of people are wondering is, how could a corpse really be incorruptible? Is it a matter of miracle? Is it a matter of science? And there's some instances in which the scientific community has pointed out this is not a religious phenomenon. This is sheer scientific fact. We take, for instance, a group of people buried in Guanajuato, Mexico. Uh, They were mummified because the soil there was so salty and dry Mm -hmm. that they were essentially sort of embalmed by it. So this sort of happened by accident by them. Yeah, definitely by accident. When people dug them up, they were really confused. They're like, why are these people so well preserved? <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're actually on display. Wow. And it's rather unsettling, especially to see the, the very, very small corpses, like the babies and the children. Mm-hmm. And then there was another instance of the Tolland man, and this man was hanged in Denmark, and his body fell into a peat bog, and it's so much intact that you can even see hairs. Oh, like, that's crazy. On a beard. Oh, man. Isn't that strange? Yes, yeah. But then there are instances of corpses like the ones of the of the Catholic saints where there is no such explanation like the uh, the community of people in, in Mexico. And uh, it sort of makes sense, uh, to Catholics it made sense at least, uh, that the idea that bodily corruption, like your body rotting after you die, is actually a result of sinfulness. It's a consequence of it. And these people led such holy lives that uh, they didn't get the con- the consequences that came with sin. Uh, this sort of makes sense with with Mary, the Mary, mother of uh, Jesus, who was uh, supposed to be a virgin and and sinless all through her life. Um, Catholics believe that, like Elijah in the Old Testament, God sort of assumed her into heaven. Sort of like a go directly to heaven card, you know, don't pass go. So it would make sense that Catholics would dig up these holy people and see that they're not um, corrupting at all and attribute it to a holy life of, n- of not sinning. So when they exhume the corpses, they're fully expecting to see that their bodies are intact. And it's a very reverent process. And after the saints were found, 
intact and they were discovered to be incorruptible, a lot of them were placed in reliquaries on display. That's true. You can go there. You can go to uh, churches in, in Europe and, and see either whole saints or, or pieces of saints, actually. That's where it gets a little bit odd to me, this pieces of saints thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess there are so many people out there mm-hmm. who would want to see a saint who is incorrupted and continues to be of a fleshly being mm-hmm. that they dismembered them and sent them to different churches. So you can see like a part of a saint here, maybe another limb here. True, yeah. And these are also enclosed in reliquaries. It's not like you go in and they hand you a hand. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> that would be rather off-putting. <laughs> and that's not the case. And when you look at some of the saints, and we have a couple pictures in our article about it, and there's certainly many more out there that you can see. Um, again, like we mentioned before with St. Sylvan, they aren't always alive and well. And there are some scandals around the idea of the incorruptible saint because some churches have gone so far as to cover their bodies with wax or to mm-hmm. go ahead and embalm them anyway. Yeah. So they make sure to preserve them. And that gets a little bit troublesome too because if you're preserving a saint, are you somehow doubting that it will continue to be incorruptible? Yeah, I think the the Catholic Church has uh, started to be very skeptical of these um of these reports that that it is a work of God that they're incorruptible just because there are instances where um, saints have been exhumed and at first they seem like they have not been been corrupting but as soon as they get exhumed they start corrupting very quickly and so mm-hmm. they they attribute it to the way that they were buried or the 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 um, the uh, casket that was containing them. So is it a matter of what people want to believe or the historical precedents for mummification versus embalming and? Is it that religion is changing in our world today and people want to see this evidence? Oh, that might be a mix. <laughs> a little bit of everything. That's a really tough question. I don't yeah. have to answer myself. There's one saint in particular who just fascinates me, and that's Saint Bernadette. And she was born in France to a very humble family, and she was very sick all of her life. I'm talking everything from tuberculosis to cholera to asthma to digestive trouble. I mean, you name it, she had it. And she was asked to enter a nunnery. And someone argued that she shouldn't even be there because she was, how they put it, going to be a pillar of the infirmary. And it's true. She was there all the time. You know, like the kid in your class, he was always asking to go see the nurse because he had a sniffly nose or a scratch knee. Always something. She was always in there. And not your idea of an imperfect body, by any means. (laughs) No, definitely not. You know, riddled with sickness and disease. And I think she was actually read her last sacraments three times. And she finally died. And her corpse turned out to be incorruptible. And what's more, she had visions from the Virgin Mary, supposedly, that there was a spring, a healing and and holy spring near this grotto. And she was able to direct people toward it. And I think that's where her body is enshrined today. Is that right? Uh, I think it it is in France. I I don't think it's in the town of Lourdes, uh, but the spring is there in Lourdes today. Um, where people go there to this day, they take pilgrimage to it, and they um, they take the water with them, and it, it the water is said to have healing powers in and of itself. So it's a part of history that lives on. Yeah, even though these corpses don't, but kind of look like they do. It's a very interesting topic. <laughs> One thing that's interesting to me is uh, the idea that these incorruptible corpses are sometimes supposed to emit very nice smells, and uh, I find that really interesting. Um, that every and at one point um a saint actually when he was exhumed they cut off his finger and it it bled um as if a as if it were a living body and it's just uh as science 
you know, they can't, not yet at least, they can't explain all of this. And it's pretty miraculous to see, at least. It is. Well, I actually know of two incorruptibles who turned out to be quite corruptible. Um, the first, Maximilien Robespierre, a semi-hero turned villain of the French Revolution. He was called the Incorruptible, and he turned out to be um, sort of a, a warmonger and put many, many, many thousands <laughs> of people to death under the hands of the guillotine. And then there's the fictional Harvey Dent, who didn't turn out to be as incorruptible as everyone thought he did. The uh, golden boy of Gotham City uh, turned bitter when he lost his love and faith. <laughs> oh, Harvey Dunn's not so incorruptible after all. Well, you can read even more about incorruptible corpses and other topics on HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. We are going to Italy. After the success of last year's trip to Paris, we are planning another similar trip, still with defined destinations, this time to Rome and Florence. Yeah, we are going to spend a week exploring some amazing things. We're going to have city tours of both Rome and Florence. We're going to see the Roman Colosseum, the Vatican Museum, and the Sistine Chapel, St. Peter's Basilica, Vatican City. This is just a tiny fraction of all the stuff we're going to get to do. Yeah, it's May 14th to 21st, 2020. And to get more information, go to defineddestinations.com and scroll down to the Roman Florence trip with Stuff You Missed in History Class. The richest, most powerful place on earth. A fiction podcast. Tillman Bay. On an epic scale. Power is everything. Power gives everything. We have to get away from this place. Tuman Bay is our destiny. Now on the iHeart Podcast Network, Tuman Bay. Be sharp and die for Tuman Bay! Listen to all episodes of Tuman Bay Seasons 1 and 2 now for free on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tuman Bay.